Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Bedtime with Dan. Hope you're having a, a good week. We're back at Wednesday again, quick as it always is. My mind's blank, so I'm just going to crack on. <laughs> so this week's story is the Mermen of Bellrock. The Bellrock is the topmost part of a long and dangerous reef that lies on the main shipping line in the North Sea, 11 miles east of Arbroath. The surface of the reef is uncovered only at low tide, where at high tide it is submerged just under the water, which means that sailors cannot see the, their terrible danger. Robert Southey wrote a poem about how long ago a pirate stole the warning bell which the abbot of Arbroath had placed upon the rock. Others say that the bell was torn down by mermen who wanted to wreck passing ships. Mermen with scaly skin and claws of and claws for hands in the girly grey waters of the North Sea off the east coast of Scotland between the 5th of 4th and 5th of Tay lurks the deadly dangerous bell rock of all the hazards facing sailors who travel on the busy shipping route it is the very worst this massive jagged rock can rip open the hull of the strongest ship and within seconds send it to the bottom of the sea the Bell Rock is doubly terrifying because as well as being massive and jagged, for most of the time its full length lies hidden just under the surface of the water and cannot be seen. In olden days, many a ship foundered there. In a single year, 70 vessels were wrecked and many a family were left to mourn the loss of their loved ones. And it was in olden days when the perilous spot was known as the Incate Reef that the abbot of Arbroath attempted to bring an end to all these disasters. He ordered a bell to be taken from the bell tower of the abbey, carried to the port and placed in a boat. Then at low tide, while the reef was uncovered for a few hours, he himself sailed out there and with strong ropes fastened the bell to the biggest rock. Those who watched the abbot do this cheered and clapped their hands. To begin with, his plan worked. When the wind was fierce, the tolling of the bell carried above the roar of the sea, surging over the reef. Fishermen and sailors, merchant ships and warships headed, heeded the signal and avoided the area. They gave thanks to the abbot of Arbroath Abbey and in the Incate Reef came to known as the Bell Rock. But one morning the bell was gone. Stolen by a pirate, some said, and although the reef was still called the Bell Rock, no longer did Peeling notes ring through the warning. No longer did captains of ships hear the sound and stay away. Once again, the treacherous rock claimed the lives of mariners who did not know the safest route, and also of those who thought they did. For in stormy weather, ships tried to bypass the danger, were blown to the bell rock and torn asunder. Storms in that part of the North Sea are truly deadly. Gale force wings bring the rain and hail lashing down from the sky and whipped the water up into mountainous waves. Although 11 miles out to sea, the loud booming noise made by the heavy swell battering and crashing against the bell rock means the people in fishing villages and even inland country towns can hear it. Nigh on 200 years ago, there was a storm so terrible that the fisher folk at the harbour heard it. The farmer folk heard it, and in the wee cottage on the sands of our broth where she lived with her grandmother, Cat heard it too. 
It was a wicked pirate indeed, said Cat, who stole the alarm bell from the bell rock. "'Twas not a wicked pirate who stole it, said Cat's grandmother. It was the mermen who lived in the waters around the bell rock. They cut the strong rope and cast the bell into the sea. I hope no sailors are in the ships near the bell rocks tonight, Cat went on. But if they are, then I hope that their captain is a canny and clever man. The best sea captain in the world would be unable to save the ship if it was seized by the mermen of the bell rock, Cat's grandmother told her. The mermen have no mercy. With their lobster-like claws... They hack huge holes into the hulls of passing ships so that the water rushes in and causes the vessels to sink. Is there no way that the sailors in the ships can chase off the mermen, said Cat? It's hard to say. It's hard to see the mermen. They hate the light and wait until it is gloomy before they come to the surface. Their bodies, half man, half fish, are covered with silver scales and their greenish-brown hair looks like seaweed trailing in the water. We should put an extra lamp in our window, Cat said to her grandmother, for a ship at sea might see the glow and steer towards the harbour. But when the storm was finally over, there was no ship safe in the harbour, just wreckage washed up on the incoming tide. For that the storm had been the most violent storm ever. Day and night it raged, with thunder rolling into the heavens above, and the sea boiling below. And during it, ploughing north through the waves from England, came a ship of the line carrying 300 sailors. Unknown to them and their captain, the bell rock lay directly in their path. To the lookout, on the top mast peering through the gloom, nothing was visible. It was only when they were almost upon it that a flash of lightning revealed the glistening, raging rock right beneath them. The lookout screamed a warning. Too late, with a tremendous judder, a ship struck hard and struck fast. Alas! Although the sailors fought bravely to haul away from the bell rock, their ship smashed into pieces and went, went down with all hands. Three hundred men lost their lives, and there was weeping and wailing at humble heaths and high homes throughout the land. And throughout the land people complained and bemoaned the enormous number of deaths. Everyone asked the same question, what could be done about the bell rock? And everyone gave the same answer, nothing. Nothing can be done about the bell rock. Their talk reached the ears of the government, who had meetings to discuss the problem. Eventually, engineers were commissioned to investigate a possibility of a building a lighthouse upon the Bell Rock. Build a lighthouse, Cat's grandma explained. The mermen of the Bell Rock wouldn't allow this to happen. They were creatures of the dark who detest light, for it shrivels their skin and burns their eyes from their heads. If a lighthouse was built there, they would never be able to live in those waters. Then we must help with the lighthouse in any way we can, Cat declared. Skillful men, skillful men went sent to assess the project of the Bell Rock Lighthouse. From outside their cottage door, where she and her grandmother sat mending nets for the fishermen, Cat watched them. These men recorded high tides and low tides. They sailed out to the bell rock and noted how it would only appear above the surface of the sea for a short time each day. They took readings of wind speed and watched the swirling currents. They looked and pointed and measured. Many came and many shook their heads and went away. And then a Mr. Stevenson from the city of Glasgow arrived. He was an engineer who had built lighthouses on the Orkney Islands and the River Clyde. 
He recorded High Tides and Low Tides. He sailed out to the Bell Rock and noted how it only appeared above the surface of the sea for a short time each day. He took readings of the wind speed and watched the swirling currents. He looked and pointed and measured, and then he too went away. But he came back again, and again, and again. This engineer was a courteous man. When he passed Cat and her grandmother sitting on the sands, he would raise his hat in greeting. Occasionally, he stopped and talked about the weather forecast and always listened attentively to their opinion on the local conditions. He admired the complicated knots they tied to close up the large holes in the fishing nets and drew these in his notebook. Then he showed them some other pages where he was working out the dangers of his project. When Cat's grandmother realised that this engineer was determined to build a lighthouse on the Bell Rock, she said quietly to Cat, his plan is doomed. The merman will not be defeated. Perhaps he hasn't heard of the merman, said Cat. I could tell him. He might not believe you. Cat waited until the engineer was sitting alone on the beach reading his notebook. She approached and stood before him. Please, sir, she spoke up bravely. You must add the merman of Bell Rock to the list of dangers. The engineer raised his head and smiled at her. I've been warned of the howling hurricanes and the swiftly changing tides. I've been told that this is the most treacherous submerged shipping hazard in the whole wide world, but no one has mentioned the mermen of the Bell Rock. Who are these mermen? They have the tail of a fish, but the chest, head and arms of a man. Instead of hands, they have cruel claws like those of a lobster. They rip open the holes of ships so that the water rushes in, and then drag the sailors out to drown them. Is there no way that the sailors and the ships can chase off the mermen? Their bodies are covered in silver scales and their hair is greenish-brown and tangled, so when folks do catch a glimpse of them, they think it is seaweed floating in the water. Mermen hide in the depths of the sea, for they dare not to be in light. No one can see them properly. This is the worst danger I've ever heard of, said the engineer. Thank you for telling me about it. They like to wreck boats. Long ago, when the abbot of Arbroath tied a warning bell to the rock, they cut the strong rope and cast the bell to sea. I will not put a bell there. Instead, I will, we will put a light, a brilliant light, that will be seen for 50 miles in all directions. Mermen hate light, said Cat. It causes their skin to shrivel and their eyes to burn. They will screech in anger and try to tear it apart. Please make your lighthouse sturdy. The engineer looked at her with a kindly face and said very seriously, My lighthouse will be extraordinarily sturdy. It will use the best of materials to build it. He wrote down everything Cat had told him in his notebook. And then he said, You remind me of my son Thomas. He has a powerful imagination and he loves hearing and telling stories. The engineer was true to his word. He did use the best of materials to build the lighthouse. Solid blocks of granite and metals forged in a foundry fire. Because the barrel was only uncovered for a few hours each day, the workmen had to be prepared to land there when they could and get off again as soon as the water level rose. A large boat named Smeaton was to be moored near the bell rock and the engineer and the workmen and the equipment would stay on it when the tide was high. There would be three small boats, all of which were needed to transfer the men to the rock and back to Smeaton. Also, a help, also to help illuminate the site, the engineer intended to set up a floating light. Ah, 
Cat's grandmother gripped the engineers by the hand when he told her this. As soon as you do that, the merman will attack you. It is a risk worth taking, he replied, for we must prevent the sea from claiming any more victims. Please be careful, Cat begged. I will, I will, the engineer promised them, and he strode off to the harbour to board the Smeaton. As they watched the ship sail towards the Bell Rock, Cat's grandmother turned to her. We must make a fishing net, she said, a special net, closely woven. I will go to the pilot of the harbour, who knows the Bell Rock better than anyone, and ask him for copper wire. We will tie this to the net with our strongest knots. And so Cat and her grandmother sat on the sands and made a special fishing net of copper wire. Closely woven and tightly tied with a special knot, it was finished on the September morning when dense dark clouds thickened the air and the mood of the sea was strange and sinister. Cat's grandmother gathered the net into the bundle and gave it to her. You must run as fast as you can to the pilot at the harbour and ask him to take the net to the bell rock and give it to the engineer. Tell him that I sent you and he will understand that it must be done at once. Ignoring sharp pebbles and slippery cobblestones, Cat ran swiftly at, on her bare feet to the harbour and gave the net and her grandmother's message to the pilot. The tide was on the turn as the pilot set out, and by the time he reached the bell rock, the water was lapping over the surface and rising rapidly high. The pilot expected that the men would have stopped for the day and be on the way back to the Smeaton in the three small boats. To his shock, he saw the engineer and the 36 workmen clustering by the land landing place. They were in the gravest peril for only two boats were there to take them off the rock. There was not enough room for everyone to get on the boat. There was not enough room for everyone to get on board. The pilot glanced seawards and saw that the Smeaton had slipped her moors and with the third small boat attached was drifting away. Had he not arrived at that moment, some of the maroon men would have drowned. It was your action in your net that surely saved us, the engineer told Cat and her grandmother. The pilot threw the net and I caught it. We secured it to the rock, grabbed firm hold and clung on as the tide swamped us. Thus we were anchored as we waited to be ferried to the safety of the piloted boat. He gazed at Cat's grandmother. How did you know I would need help that day? That I cannot tell you, for I do not know myself, she answered. But we knew that the merman would disturb your work, said Cat. The engineers showed them the frayed rope that had caused the smeeting to come loose from the mornings. moorings. I would say that this rope chafed against the rough edge of the rock and thus snapped in two, wouldn't you say? That rope was split and shredded by the merman, said Cat. They sawed at it with their lobster claws so that your boats would be cast adrift and you might die upon the bell rock. My head would deny that tale, the engineer spoke softly. Yet your story resonates within my heart, he paused, and it is curious that the first lumps of granite we managed to place upon the rock were overturned during the night and flung into a crevice, and then, and the forge we set up was bent and twisted. You could use our net to cover whatever goods the lie upon the rock, Cat suggested. It would be difficult for the moment to slash it open. This is indeed what I will do, said the engineer, and he thanked Cat and her grandmother for the good advice. From now on, the materials unloaded to the rock, bell rock remained unscathed. The work continued and the body of the lighthouse grew tall into the sky. 
It took almost four years before the first lamp was lit atop the sturdy white tower, and the light could be seen for 50 miles in all directions, a blaze red and white revolving beacon to dazzle the eyes. If anyone had listened, they would have heard the mermen shrieking in fury as they fled from the Bell Rock, never to appear in those waters again. To this day, off the east coast of Scotland between the 5th of 4th and the 5th of Tay, the Bell Rock Lighthouse shines out its warning signal to keep ships safe in the girly grey waters of the North Sea. Half a hundred, half a hundred years after the lighthouse was built, when Cat was herself a grandmother, she still sat mending nets on the sands of our broth. One summer there was a group of people on the beach. It's the Stevenson family, somebody told her. They brought the lighthouse builder's grandson here, for his lungs are weak and they hope that the sea air will do him good. Cat judged the boy to be around eight years old. I met your grandfather when I was your age, she smiled at him and pointed to the Bellwork Lighthouse. By building the lighthouse, your grandfather saved many lives. I know, the boy replied. My father told me this. He reads to me from my grandfather's notebooks, not just about how to build the lighthouse, but also the stories he wrote down. I like stories. I like them very much. So do I, said Cat. My grandmother was good at telling stories. That's what I'm going to do when I grow up, the boy said, a storyteller. My name is Cat, she told him. I like that name, said the boy. His bright eyes shone with interest and imagination. Will you tell me yours, she asked. In answer, the boy took a stick and wrote it in the sand. Robert Louise Stevenson. And that's the end of that one, guys. Hope you like that story. Funny enough, I actually live near Tay and I had no idea there was a lighthouse there, so I'm now going to have to do some Googling. But hopefully your Wednesday's been all right. And it's only a short few days till Friday which is when our normal show will come out. And like always, we have listeners emailing in. It should be a good show. So I'll catch you Friday and then next week for another story. See you later, guys.